What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongue to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. As Rob said, my name is Sam. Um, if you don't know us, I think most of you do, um, we joined Beckentree a couple of months before lockdown started. Um, and although it hasn't been um, the same getting to know our church family face to face, it's been it's been great to get to know some of you um, over Zoom and then more recently to kind of see you face to face again in Bible studies. Uh, as Rob's already said, as a church, we're looking, um, we're producing a series of evangelistic talks called Same Again, um, kind of thinking about life after lockdown. And we're looking to the Bible to help us answer some of our questions um, if you haven't already, please go back and watch the first session where Rob explored whose world it is. But today I'm going to explore with you the second session, um, which will be, uh, the condensed video will be released this evening at 8pm. Um, Rob's got the visual up on his screen, I've just noticed, although he hasn't revealed it yet. Um, but the, the, the video will be released at 8pm. Um, it's exciting, why not invite a friend to watch it with you? and then maybe have a chat with them afterwards. Um, you're very fortunate though, you get the content of the video, plus bonus Bible verses and extra features. Uh, Rob wouldn't let me preach a seven minute sermon, he said it had to be at least an hour. Um, so I've had, to add, I've had to add stuff to it to fulfil his requirements. Um, but this afternoon I want to use our passage in Romans to answer the question, why is there sin in the world? And what are the effects of that sin? Um, so why don't I pray as we start? Lord Jesus, um, this can be a hard-hitting topic. We often don't like to talk about our sin. We like to talk about the, the nice bits of being a Christian. I pray today that you would open up our hearts to see the reality of our sin, but also to see... How amazing it is that you saved us despite our sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, a quick show of hands. Um, who has ever broken a bone? Put your hand up if you've, if you've ever broken a bone in your body. Well, not, as, not as many of you as I thought. Interesting. Um, when I was 14, I broke my foot. Um, I was cycling down a hill. Uh, in in the village, my family were walking behind me. Uh, I was probably going quite fast. I I had a speedometer in my bike, and I vaguely remember it reading about twenty five miles an hour, um, whether that was accurate or not. But in my head, I thought I'd do this fantastic stunt, um, and and the method of of doing that stunt was to wiggle my handlebars like this. And so I 
I wiggled my handlebars and, and all that happened is the bike went out from under me and I went straight over the top and landed on the road with a thump. Um, I mean, that, that split-second decision to wiggle my handlebars caused me weeks of pain, frustration, um, and probably my family as well who waited on me for a large part of that time. Why did I do it? Well, it's because I was showing off. I wanted to boost my ego. I wanted to be the number one sibling. I wanted to be uh, kind of you know, alpha male to my family who were watching behind me. And I failed miserably and very painfully. Now, the Bible tells us that sin starts with a different story of a split second decision. One that explains the thousands of years of pain and discomfort of our world and starts to explain the bad things that we do in our lives. It starts with the first human beings that God creates. And we read about that in Genesis 3. God creates Adam and Eve and he places them in this beautiful garden and he basically says to them, you can do whatever you want in the garden. You can eat anything, but there's one rule. You must not eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Well, what happens? We know, we know what happens. The, the snake comes along and tempts Eve. And Eve gives into the temptation and eats from the fruit, uh, eats from the tree. And she gives to Adam who also eats. And suddenly they know what good and evil is. There's a big blame game that then happens. The, the man blames the woman. The woman blames the snake. And sin enters the world as God punishes them. And then in his mercy clothes them. Genesis 3.22 says, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. And God's action for that is to kick them out of the garden. Why did Adam and Eve do it? Well, the reason is they wanted to live their own way. They wanted to rule their own lives. They wanted to be number one. And as a result, they rejected the God who created them. They turned away from him. They wanted to be God. They wanted to be big R rulers. In fact, that's how the snake tempted them in the first place. If you look at um, verse 4 of chapter 3, the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of the fruit, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Adam and Eve weren't content with ruling over the garden under God. And so they tried to rule over their own lives without him and they failed miserably and painfully. That means that mankind, you, me, all of us are born with the same problem. We want to be God of our lives, and so we reject the God who made us. We turn away and we fail. The Bible calls this sin. We know it as the bad things we do and the bad things that we see in the world around us. So I want to look in a bit more detail about the effects of sin from our Bible passage that we read today in Romans 3. Um, you might find it helpful to have it open in front of you as we go through it. And we're going to look at how sin affects um, three in three ways. So we're going to look at how sin affects us firstly. We're going to look at how sin affects our world. And we're going to look at how sin affects God. 
So firstly, let's look at how sin affects us. Just a very short context to our Bible passage. Um, Paul has been talking about Jews and Greeks. He likes talking about that. He talks about that quite a lot, actually. Um, And he's discussed the advantages of being Jewish and what God's judgment will look like on Greeks and Jews. And then he asked this question in verse nine, the question that our passage started with. In the light of God's judgment, does being Jewish make you better off? Now, I think that we can think similar things. Now, now we're not going to ask the same question as him, but we can think, uh, does going to church make me better off? Does being a missionary make me better off? Does giving 10% of my earnings to the church make me better off? Does reading my Bible for half an hour a day make me better off? Paul's answer is very clear. If you look at verse 9, he says, No, not at all. Thanks, Paul. Very clear. Let's move on. He doesn't move on, don't worry. He, He goes on to explain his answer in the next few verses. Let's read verse 9 to 12. Um, What then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. His answer is so clear everyone has rejected God everyone has rejected God you can imagine someone in the corner of the room as as the letter was read out might put their hand up and say does that include me Paul look at the repeated words in that verse no one not one no one no one no one not even one there are no exceptions All of us have turned away from God. In the first video of our Same Again series, which you should have all watched by now, um, Rob talked about God letting us be little R rulers, bringing his order and creativity to this world under the big R rule of God. The problem is, we want to be big R rulers like Adam and Eve. We don't want God to be our big, our ruler. We want to do it ourselves. And so we reject his rule over us and this world. Post lockdown, this is not going to change. I think that people are going to emerge from lockdown very differently to when they started. I think people are going to uh, kind of try and resume their normal life with new ideas, new hobbies. Uh, A bit like a New Year's resolution. I was thinking I'd like to value the face-to-face time I have with people more because actually we never know when we're going to lose it, when we might not be allowed to have it for a while. Um, The other thing is I want to carry on baking sourdough. That's something I've got into um, over lockdown. And And I want to find time when life returns to a bit of normality to carry on doing that. But one thing will be the same is that we're still going to be sinful We're still going to have times in our lives when we choose to turn away from God. As we return to a bit of normality, maybe we will have a clearer picture of our lives. Maybe we will start to change the way we look at at ourselves. Maybe we will see that all of us have turned away 
from God the ruler and try to live our own lives without him. So how many of us succeed in ruling our own lives? Well, the answer is none of us. And that leads to the second effect of sin. So firstly, sin affects us. Secondly, sin affects the world. And Paul doesn't stop there with the description of sin. Um, You might think he'd done enough. You can stop there, Paul. That's enough. Thank you. We get the point. But he doesn't. He carries on. He gives us some more details. What does our failure to rule our lives look like? And the next verses show us four different ways. So firstly, um, we fail to rule our lives. Sin looks like our voices are wicked and deceitful. Look at verse 13 and 14. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Sin causes us to be liars, to speak harshly. Our words can be like poison to other people. And this isn't a one-off thing either. Paul says that our mouths are full of curses and bitternesses. It's not like there's a little bit in one corner of your mouth. It's, your mouth is almost overflowing with, with curse and bitterness and poison. Our world is full of people verbally terrorising one another. We hear it on the streets outside our house, our flats. We hear it inside our own houses. We see it on the news. Secondly, Paul talks about the fact that we hurt each other. Look at verse 15 and 16. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. One of the sad things I have to do as a teacher is learn the different types of abuse and what that looks like in children. So that if I see a child in my class that might be showing some of the signs, I can get something done about it. One of those, physical abuse is a sad reality of some children's lives. As sinful people, we hurt one another, sometimes physically. You might have seen the videos yesterday of people throwing things at police and kicking them. For us, it might not be that we're guilty of physically hurting, physically hurting people, but I think sometimes we think about it, often when we're angry. And according to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, that's just as bad. Thirdly, Paul says that we are restless. Verse 17, the way of peace they have not known. We have no peace. That links with kind of the way we hurt each other. But also our minds can constantly be full of thoughts, regret to the actions that we've just done. But then thinking ahead to what can we do next to try and live our lives without God. Thoughts of anger, discontentment hate and jealousy. And then fourthly, Paul says that we do not fear God. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no respect for God in our messed up world. There's no worry that he's going to punish sin. People don't worry about that. And therefore they get themselves into this cycle. If you're not worried that God is going to punish your sin, then you're going to sin more. And then that keeps going. There are loads more examples I'm sure we could think of. But Paul's overall point is that our lives and our world is messed up through sin. Therefore, when mankind is held up in the light of God's law, no human being 
will be justified in his sight, it says in verse 20. No human being will be justified in his sight. We fail at ruling our lives and therefore we mess up our own lives and God's world. We know this, right? When we look at our lives, when we look at other people's lives, when we look at the things happening in our world, thinking of the the death of George Floyd and the violence of those wanting to disrupt peaceful protests, thinking of the wars raging in the Middle East and the countless refugees who are displaced from their homes to seek refuge in other countries, thinking of terrorist attacks such as the one in London Bridge at the end of last year and the devastating attack on the Manchester Arena, for example. But not just around the world, but in our own lives too, when we respond with unjust anger to those around us when we say hurtful things to our partners or our children, when we lie our way out of tricky situations. Even the other day, while I was recording this talk, things didn't go as planned. Hannah started screaming. And the way I reacted, I reacted with frustration and comments that were hurtful. I was sadly illustrating my own message. So sin affects us. It affects the world. And thirdly, sin affects God. I'm not going to go into too much detail here. um, Otherwise, I'm going to be stealing Rob's thunder in the next couple of Same Again videos. But what I do want to do is I want to read a couple more verses of Romans. Sorry, I left these out of the reading. I forgot I wanted to use them. So if we carry on in chapter 3 and look at verse 23 23 to 25. It says, For all have sinned, and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over our former sins. Our God is completely good. And therefore our sin, our bad, makes him rightly angry. And we have no right to come before him. Now that anger needs to be satisfied. That's where that word propitiation comes from. It means a satisfaction or appeasement of God's anger. Before God can forgive sins, there needs to be punishment. And that's where sin really affects God. He chose by his grace, to give an incredible gift that we absolutely do not deserve. He put forward his one and only son, Jesus, to die and have his blood shed on a cross as a punishment for sin, so that we can be made righteous in his sight. Let me say that again, that's a lot of words. God chose, by his grace, to give an incredible gift that we absolutely do not deserve. God put forward his one and only son, Jesus, to die and have his blood shed on a cross as a punishment for sin so that we can be made righteous in his sight. Through faith in Jesus, we are justified before God so that when we are held up in the light of God's law, all of our sins, all of our failings are covered by the blood of Jesus. One thing that really struck me writing and thinking so much about sin this week is that if we truly understand the depths of our sin, we understand even better 
the incredible sacrifice of Jesus. Let's apply this to to our three different areas. If you're not a Christian, I really hope that this has resonated with you in some way. Maybe you feel like this explains the way you're living life or explains the bad things you see around you. Maybe you're feeling the weight of the bad things that you do. There's good news for you. God accepts us because of Jesus. If you put your trust in God and have faith in him, he will make you right before him. Your sin will be dealt with. If you want to chat about these things or or have questions, we'll have a, a question time later on in this session. But also, why not join us um, just after eight o'clock this evening? We're going to have a, a, a chat after the next video call, uh, after the next video of Same Again is released. If you go to church, you've probably heard lots of this before. Maybe you're one of those people who thinks that going to church makes you better off in the light of God's judgment. Well, I hope that you've seen the answer to that is no, it doesn't. That all of us are sinful and turn away from God. As things go back to normal, don't let yourself get drowned out by the business of life again. Don't restart your daily nine to five, running your own way, trying to rule your own life against what God wants. As a church, we want to point you to God's rescue from his redemption. And I hope that you've seen that today. And if you're a Christian, I hope that this has helped you see how amazing God's grace is. We need to be so thankful that God has chosen to make us right before him. We need to be so thankful that Jesus has taken the weight of our sin upon himself and faced the wrath of his father. And Bethan said something really helpful when we were discussing this earlier in the week. She said, you can only see how good God's rescue is if you know how bad things were. All of us had turned away from God and all of us continue to sin now. But incredibly, when we stand before God on Judgment Day, he will look at us and see us as righteous, covered by the blood of his son, Jesus. No one is righteous, not even one, Paul said. Praise God that through Jesus, this is no longer the case. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that the depths of our sin do not mean that we are turned away from you forever. Thank you for sending Jesus to take away that sin. Thank you that we can stand before you as righteous, knowing that we can spend eternity with you because of what Jesus has done. Father, this week I pray that you would help us to humble ourselves, to see our sin and to want to live your way under your rule, not our own way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.